Hi, it's Pete Price, and I am delighted to say that I'm with a fabulous lady called Chantal Nolan, who is a mother of four, two children, two theatres. And it's hard work. Two children and two theatres. Hiya, Sean. Hi, Pete. Are you OK? I am indeed. Let's go back to the beginning, because your roots are in theatres. And by the way, the theatres are the St Helens Theatre Royal and the Epstein Theatre in Liverpool. Your, t- t- give us a potted history about your youth, with your sister as well. Yeah, well, my family, well, my mum has always been in theatre, and she started me off at dance lessons when I was three, and we've got this video of me as a three-year-old and I do a full song and dance, Ain't She Sweet? And a wink at the judges in this competition at the end. And my dad came to watch me and he said he was at the back sweating cobs and my mum was just so used to that type of thing. She was like, she'll be fine, she'll be fine. And I did the whole song and dance routine, picked up a dance, sang my heart out and won the competition. And mum said when she saw me do that, she knew I was going to follow in her footsteps in show business. <laughs> so that's how it actually started? Yeah, yeah. So wh- what about Georgia? Where did she fit into that? The same. She, <laughs> yeah, she was born... Dad sweating at the back. Yeah, she was born four years yeah. after me and... Um, we just we went to Saturday school, Elliot Clark, um, Saturday school for dance and drama. Every week, all day Saturday after schools, we danced, 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 and we just loved it. We've just always stayed in the business. George has took a different path to me, but still under the showbiz umbrella. Um, but yeah, it's just in our blood, isn't it? Chantal, let's stay there for a minute. How important is dance to young people? And it has changed because different shapes and sizes can take up dance and it helps enormously, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, the main route of dance and any, any extracurricular sport or activity is discipline. And I think that's what's great about it because it gives the kids discipline and they learn respect for their teacher. You know, if I looked sideways at my ballet teacher or didn't point my foot to the end or, you know, stretch my arm or present out, you'd get really shouted at, but in a good way, you know? So you really took uh, the lessons that you were taught and the discipline you were taught and you, you carry them on in life. And I think it's great for children to have something to do other than school that keeps them occupied, you know? I've got and to, keeps them off the street. Uh, off the street and off the screens. And I can't say anything. I've got a 10-year-old son who loves his iPad, loves his VR, loves his Xbox. But you need to give them something else to concentrate on. And, um, yeah, I mean, even Jensen, my eldest son, <laughs> I think is following in them footsteps as well. He loves drama. He loves performing on stage. And so, yeah, I think it's great to have something for the children to look at other than school. Let's talk about Jensen over the him doing the theatre piece. What is it like as somebody who runs two theatres, also is a mum, watching your son on there? Because, of course, he's the greatest. He's got to be. He's your son. <laughs> but being constructive, was it strange? You know, his first... He doesn't actually go to drama lessons yet. We are looking into it. But he has got this natural talent to perform, uh, as we all know. And so uh, we produced Peter Pan Easter last year. And it was my mum actually said, are you going to let him be a lost boy in Peter Pan? And I was like, no. And she was like, why not? And I was like, oh, you know what, mum, I've got too much on doing two Easter pantos, still trying to run two theatres and look after the kids. And mum turned around to me and she said, well, I think that's awful. You're stopping him having a great opportunity there and he should be able to do it. And I said, well, he'll have to audition like everybody else. And she said, oh, of course. 
So we came to the auditions. Well, my stomach was in knots because I was taking the auditions and I said, Jensen, I am not your mother in there. You call me Chantel and you respect me as an adult and not a mother. And he was like, okay, mom, okay, will I get the part? And I was like, well, I don't know. Depends how talented all the other boys are. Well, anyway, I put him in it and I didn't give him a speaking role because I didn't think he'd earned enough, uh, you know, not street cred, but enough experience, yeah to be able to have a speaking role. So he was just a lost boy in the background. Well, he absolutely loved it. Every morning he'd get up and say, you know, is it rehearsals today? Is it shows today? And there's always two teams of children due to licensing laws. And um, he just he just had the time of his life, you know, on stage and everybody that came to watch him said he stood out. <laughs> I was like, no, no, he's just one of them. They said, no, no, he's got it. He's definitely got it. And uh, I was really proud of him. So he developed um, his skills and Christmas just gone. He was the understudy or the the other. We had uh, a postman who was Jamie from Britain's Got Talent with his ventriloquist um, Chuck. And um, obviously Jamie's under 16, so can't do every show. So Jensen and another boy, Jacob, did the shows that that Jamie couldn't do. And he, he was great. He loved it. I was harsh on him in rehearsals, you know. My mum said I was too harsh. She said, you're mean to him compared to the other boys. And I said, because I want him to be right. You know, I don't want people to think that he's there because he's my son. And you know what? I remember when I was 16 and I wanted to play a main role in Panto. And I remember mum saying, you're not ready. And I was like, well, can't I play Princess Jasmine? And she said, you are not ready. So Nazine, who choreographed for me now, she played Princess Jasmine and I played Slave of the Ring, which is a much smaller part. But that you've got to earn, earn your stripes, haven't you? You can't just be given the roles because of your connections. As we're talking about uh, children, the rules have changed so much. Now, I've done now 34 pantos. And wow. I remember... <laughs> you 34 pantos. <laughs> but, but hang on, no, you've been... You've, you've jumped in. <laughs> I was as, in that's another story. We'll talk about suitcase. that. Yeah, you, you've been everything. But <laughs> the point I was going to make was I remember with the kids coming to my dressing room, asking for autographs, buying us sweets every day, cakes, and, and it was great... All of a sudden, that's changed. The world has changed in theatre. And the discipline and uh, um, the, the, the people look after them. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, years ago, they didn't have to have licensed chaperones. They just had, you know, mums that could help out. I know my nan was a, looked after the children backstage at what was, what was the Neptune then, now the Epstein. And the rules have changed. But for the better, you know, the safeguarding of the children now is paramount importance and um, you have to fill out full licenses for every child you have to have super um licensed matrons to supervise them the rules no other adult is allowed in their changing area whether they're getting changed or not you just don't go in the kids dressing room so they kind of are isolated but for the right reasons and they are supervised in every area of the building even if they nip to the toilet the chaperones wait outside you know side stage we have to have a chaperone on each side for them it's it is really strict but you know it's to keep the children safe it's interesting you say that because we're going to st- look at the structure of panto look at the structure of theater while we're talking i'm talking to Chantal nolan uh, about the epstein theater about uh, saint helen's theater royal but it's interesting because people don't realize the cost of theater they see what they see up there but they don't understand things like the chaperones etc 
Before we move on, we've got to mention your mum, because your mum was in the business yeah. and was Cilla Black's understudy at the Empire. Yeah, I mean, they call my mum the Queen of Panto. She's known in Liverpool as the Queen of Panto. And um, I'm actually scrabbling up there at the minute, and some people call me the Queen of Panto, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm the princess. Never take that away from me, mum. <laughs> She's done so many, hasn't she? She's been in the business all her life. She's done, you know, she was a tiller girl. That in itself is a massive massive thing i just i respect her so much and look up to her and we must point out talking about jane joseph that she brought panto back to liverpool panto was in the depths of nothing at one stage and then she got involved with the royal court when the royal court was in a, a bit of a bad place but she brought panto back and the rest is history now talking about panto panto has changed so much because we're doing is it three a year now christmas four. autumn four so what is it we've just done february at saint helens wizard of oz we do easter which is a two-week run we do october which is a 10-day run and then the christmas panto um at saint helens and the epstein and we've just extended again our saint helens christmas panto so i think it runs for seven weeks is this because it is such an, I was going to say an easy piece to put on. It's not easy. It's a pleasing piece to put on. Yeah, I think um, Panto is back in fashion, if you like. And it does do twists and turns, but it's very much back in fashion. It's very much a family day out that people save for. Our Christmas Panto at St. Helens went on sale uh, about three weeks ago. And, you know, there's people booking already. Our Christmas Eve matinee show's nearly sold out because people put it in their diary of something they want to go to with the family. And so it is a very pleasing piece to watch. And our pantos are very much like children's musicals now. Um, they've ch the style of them changed a lot. And I think it's something for everyone. You really can come with the tiny little ones and the grannies and granddads and everybody that you come with has a good time. And I've said this so many times, Panto is important because children being hooked are our next theatre audience. Plus, it's the big earner to get you through bad months. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you have a good season at Christmas, you know your theatre's going to do well. Um, my dad is obviously the business brains behind the theatres. And he says, you know, theatre, if you could just open for your pantos, you'd be on a winner. And that's what you touched on it before. Theatres are so expensive to run. And especially our two theatres aren't backed by any council. We don't receive any grants. So literally, the money that's spent on the tickets is what keeps the theatre open. And so you've got all your overheads to consider. And the panto is, is profitable, but you lose your profit throughout the year because not everything mm. makes money in theatre. But yep. you, can't, you can't close your doors. That wouldn't work. In, you know, in a business point of view, yeah, great, close your doors, open for panto. You can't do that. You need to keep your customers coming back throughout the year to see a variety of things that are on. And, um, and yeah, so we, we do that. And we, we, both programmes in both theatres are great variety. There's something for everyone. Now, when you were a little girl, Panto was interesting because they would put a Panto on in Wimbledon that would work. Then they would bring it the same Panto to the next theatre in Liverpool. Then the next year, maybe to Birmingham. So they had a, a, a sort of rota, which was great. You now have two theatres, which makes it a little bit easier because the structure of Panto. But talk us through 
So let's forget you've got two theatres. You've got the St. Helens Theatre. Last year, you had the record breaker of record breakers. It was an amazing show, and that's not blowing smoke. It was an amazing show. Did ridiculous business. You could have stayed open later, but you couldn't because there was other shows on. Talk me through how it works. You shut the door and you go, right, Christmas. How does it work? It's not even that, you know. They totally overlap. So, um... I've just put on Spotlight, which is where we look for our names uh, that we're advertising for a Christmas headliner. So, you know, we're still in February and we're thinking about Christmas. Yesterday, I put the October Panto on sale, even though I've got no cast. So they totally overlap. So it's not even like you finish one and you start on the next. While one is happening, you're already, you're well into preparation. Let me just stop you there before we go on there, because that's really interesting point you made. You put it on sale, you haven't even got a cast. Hamilton is going to open in Manchester, a huge show, it's on sale, (laughs) they haven't even got a cast. So that's great, so go on. Yeah, so we know our pantos do great business, so it's not necessarily the name that you get in um, that sells the tickets, it's our reputation of great product that sell the tickets especially St. Helens, you know, whoever you speak to, if they've been to a St. Helens panto, they say, they're my favourite panto, St. Helens. And they could travel from Manchester, the Wirral, you know, anywhere. They don't necessarily go to their closest theatre. They do travel to St. Helens because of the quality of the show, which makes me really proud. Why Why do you think it works? Is it because you set it? Because you put pressure yourself, don't you, for next year? Absolutely. And um, this year you've definitely put pressure. I know. Everyone says, yeah. every Christmas, how will you top that next year? And I'm like, I don't know. But I just get these epiphanies in the middle of the night of things that I want to do. Like the spectacle this year, you know, on top of the... We made all new costumes for Cinderella. We had a new finale set made. Um, but I wanted to do the Frozen rip-off dress. And so Mum went to see Frozen, the musical in London, and she said it was amazing the way they changed Elsa's dress within a split half a second. So I watched it on YouTube, and I was like, I need to do that for Cinderella. So I sat up at night watching millions of YouTube videos, speaking to our head of wardrobe, um, Rebecca, and we came up with this way that we were going to do it, and we did it. And it was just, it got a round of applause every single night. And so I think special things like that, that you try and make your show a little bit different every year. And it's just a wow factor for the audience to walk out. I mean, the end of Act One number, everyone was in tears every night. Ponies came on, Cinderella was in a beautiful new ball gown. The carriage, which you know about, (laughs) the show must go on with the carriage. Um, Yeah, everyone was walking out in tears. They just said it was so, so warming and such a nice thing to watch at Christmas time. I wrote about the, um, the this beautiful glass coach in my <laughs> Echo column. Tell us, this is the sort of thing, oh. tell us what happened. Well, it's funny because there always seems to be something... We've been approached so many times about a fly-on-the-wall documentary at Panto. And I don't think people would think that it was real. I think they'd think there were set-ups. So this Christmas, we were opening Saturday afternoon, two o'clock. And because of this idea with the rip-off dress and it wasn't quite right, we called everyone in for an extra rehearsal. So I think at this time it was about, we called everyone in, say, 11 o'clock. And it's 12 o'clock and we're running the number. And I was like, no, it's not quite right. Let's run it again. Let's run it again. Anyway, maybe on the third run through, the carriage didn't come on. 
And I was like, oh, so I'm at the back of the stalls. On Which the... you bought from the Royal Ballet. Yes, we did years ago. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, massive carriage. Now, the wing space in St. Helens isn't that big. So it's the way the carriage had to turn to get on. And we're talking wrought iron fixtures here. There's no, because um, it's an old carriage. That it, it wasn't light, it's very heavy. And so the crew have to kind of lift the back end of it and turn it because the wheels don't turn, they only go in a straight line. But because the wing space, we had to make it work anyway. So I've got six or seven crew on the carriage turning it in the corner. The ponies weren't on stage at this point. Um, but anyway, the carriage didn't come on. So I'm at the back on the god mic shouting, what's going on? What's the problem? We're opening in an hour and a half. And next minute the crew came on and went, the wheel's gone. And I was like, what? They went, the wheel on the carriage had gone. Now, I'm not, I'm not a mechanic, but something like the axle on the wheel had snapped. So there was no way in an hour and a half we were going to have a fixed carriage safe enough for Cinderella to get in, for the postman to sit on, and for two ponies to be pulling it along with the front. So I was like, oh, no. So I rang my dad. He was in the office and connected to his office is where we store all the scenery. I rang him and said, the wheels broke off the carriage. And he was like, right, what do you want to do? So I was like, (laughs) we've got two spare carriages in the container. Two? Two. We've got one that's UV that we actually use when we do the Epstein because it's difficult to get ponies in here with us being on the second floor. We're actually in the Epstein now, that's why I'm saying here. And... um, so he said, I've got two spare carriages in the store. I need you to get me a driver, a pickup, and a oh, some other kind of machine to get them down off the second container that's in the sky, in the you know, second level up. So he was like, It's a Saturday, Chantel. None of my men are on today. And I was like, Well, will you ring them? Because this is important. And he was like, Okay, okay. And dad knows during Christmas panto, whatever mum and I asked for to do with the pantos, he drops everything. And he makes it happen. So Mike and I jumped in the car, which is the stage manager from St. Helens, drove to Kirby. There's my dad with Bobby, the wagon driver, and the forklift truck. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, we got this one carriage out, and Mike said to me, this is not going to work. It's not all connected, and I need time, because this one lights up with a false horse on the front. I need time to do this, and we haven't got the time. And I was like, okay. I said, there's another carriage at the back of that container. So Mike, Bobby and my dad, in the freezing cold December. I was that cold. The cold was coming through from the concrete floor of my feet. I did a video. They got the forklift truck. Oh, was it you that did the video? Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they lifted this carriage over all different thrones and cottages and everything that we've got. Lifted it down. Put it on the forklift. It came to the ground floor and I looked at it and it was a mess. It must have been in there for about six years, untouched. It needed a total overhaul. And I was like okay, we can do this. So we got it on the back of the um, pickup truck. I shot down to St. Helens down the line because I'm ringing my mum saying, we're on our way with the carriage. She said, what's it like? I said, well, it's full of cobwebs, but we'll make it work. And she was like, okay. So they got wardrobe to bring all the glittery material and sequin material we own up onto stage. And we all set to. Kimberly, who played Cinderella, she um, makes her own fashion clothes and she gets old things from the charity shop and ups, you know, where they make it, they up upgrade it so there was five of us two wardrobe Kimberly me and my mum with staple guns and rolls of sequin material and we covered this carriage and you know what it looked absolutely beautiful and it was the same material as her dress so as she sat in it it looked like her dress 
just grew and it was just I mean you saw that carriage it was gorgeous absolutely so absolutely the show must go on no matter what yeah. the show has got to go on the interesting thing about uh, Panto 2 and you've been in the business so long yourself is the ghost story the, the, the it's changing because of technology now and it's different isn't it you've got things coming out the stage yeah 3d we're actually i'm in talks with um the guy that does the 3d animation for us to bring it back this christmas we haven't had it for a couple of years pre-covid it was um it, it is amazing and some people like it and some people don't because it's not theater it's not traditional it's not traditional but it's, it's not fab. theater but it's moving with the times and you know it's what the kids know now we touched on ipads and computers before the virtual reality goggles that jensen wears you put them on and you're in a different world and that's what the kids know and so to keep up to date with what the children know you do have to introduce things that they're familiar with and like you say the ghost gag it is fantastic you know the ghosts are all popping out that and it's friendly as well it's not you know there is a little bit that's scary but Casper's there and he's flying all around you in the auditorium. So this year in Aladdin and St. Helens, we're going to do a 3D magic carpet. So Aladdin gets on the magic carpet and flies through all the towns of Peking. And um, it's really exciting. It's, it's great. If you just join me, I'm talking to Chantal Nolan. We're talking about the Epstein Theatre. We're talking about St. Helens Theatre Royal. And we're talking about Panto, which is really interesting. Now, we won't mention any names. And... But I think we really must touch on this. People have no idea, especially over the years, and years ago in the big theatres it was scandalous, the costings of some of the stars. Mm. And I say, we won't, we'll have a go, but we won't mention names. But people don't realise this, do they? No, um, they don't. And it's, we touched on it before, it's not necessarily the name that people come to see. But Christmas, we always try and find somebody that um, would appeal to the local audience. Now, I know in St. Helens, they love a Corrie star or an Emmerdale star. Um, and, but if they've just come off screen, the money that their agents ask for, and it's not the stars, yeah, yeah. it's the agents that the agents ask for, sometimes are just completely out of our reach. You know, we're a 700-seater in St. Helens and a 400-seater at the Epstein. You couldn't... With, Sometimes the fee that they ask, you couldn't possibly make that in box office money to cover it. So we have to go out and pitch at the right level for us, but also pitch for somebody that we know that the audience will, will like and want to come and see. And see, some of the big names that work the big theatres, like the 2,000-seater theatres, charge astronomical money. Yeah, but the 2,000-seater theatres yep. have got the bums on seats to be able to cover that, so you really have to budget it well. And, it, you know, theatres vary in size so much, don't they? Um, so you have to, to... We call it our Bible. <laughs> so Dad says to me, ''Have you done your Bible?'' And I'm like, okay, and that is your, your, your costings, you know, and you have to put them all in and work out what your average ticket price is and you have to do forecasts and gross potentials and all the, all the figures first before you can secure someone. You've got my mum on the other end of it going, oh, it doesn't matter, just book them. <laughs> you couldn't pick two different people than my mum and dad. They gel well, so, so well together, you know, they're a perfect match, but dad is such a business head and mum is such a theatrical yeah. head. <laughs> now... Li living in Panto as I have done over the years uh, it's been really interesting um, there are certain Pantos you do and certain Pantos that do not 
do well. Now you, the last couple of years, took a chance with a brand new Panto, which you'd seen in London and it worked at the Palladium. It was the Three Bears. Goldilocks and the yeah. Three Bears. Yeah, um, and you know what? We just we were going to put it on uh, Easter 2020 as a tryout for an Easter Panto for a new title because with us doing four Pantos a year, it's hard to keep t- you know turning them over um, with, with giving everybody a different title every time we do it. And so um, I spoke to a, a script writer that I know and I said, look, I'd like to try Goldilocks out. So we, it was all on sale and we'd booked Maureen Nolan to play the ringmaster. And um, anyway, COVID happened and it got stopped. So then uh, COVID panto year, we did Beauty and the Beast because we know it's a small cast, not many costume changes. And it, it was the panto that we knew would fit best because of the times. So after that, I said, I'd like to do Goldilocks straight away, Barry Joseph. You're not doing a new title straight after COVID. Nope, stick to something we know works well. And I said, no, I want to do it. Every child knows the story of Goldilocks. It's a bedtime story that they all love. Let's just do it. So we had this back and forth, back and forth. Anyway, we did it. And it was really refreshing for the audience to see. They absolutely love seeing the new title. So we do take risks, but you've got to be careful about when you take them. Um, I want to do Dick Whittington, the panto. It's my favourite panto. We went to see it in Birmingham, just the Christmas just gone. It's a fantastic story, but it's a shame the children don't know it. They just don't know the story. It's interesting you say that because I've got Dick Whittington in my mind, and I was about to say, when I've done it twice, it never made money. Yeah, um, I think when you did it at the Empire, the 3D was brand new out then, wasn't it? So that kind of saved it because everyone was talking about that. It's just a shame. It's such a great story. If Disney produced it, we'll all be flying because everyone will be doing it. But now, they haven't yet. Interesting you say about Disney. This is another thing. And if you've just joined us, what we're doing is talking about the workings of Panto. And I hope you're finding this as interesting as I'm enjoying saying it because it is. And you don't realise what goes into it. But let's talk about Disney. You can't use their songs, can you? No. You used to be able to, and I don't know, I can't remember when the turning point was. We used to use all the, all the Disney songs years ago, and then all of a sudden it just stopped. And it's a shame because it's what the kids relate to. So Aladdin, the one on the carpet, um, I can show you the world, that one. The kids know that's what Aladdin and Jasmine sing on the carpet, and we're introducing something else. They'd love to be able to sing along to that, but unfortunately for now, we can't. There was one year as well that we weren't allowed to use anything from The Greatest Showman, um, but now they've relaxed the rules. As long as there's no circus theme in your show, then you can use the odd song. So the rules change all the time, but it is a shame about Disney, yeah. It is. The first experience I had of that when you were a little girl, I worked with the Wombles, and they hadn't got a deal to sing the Wombles song. <laughs> but what was the point of seeing the Wombles? I know. And by the way, they didn't look like Wombles. They were thin. <laughs> So the whole thing was, and I went, whoa, this is a whole new, a whole new world. Yeah. I just, it, it is incredible. So how far advanced are you with Pantos? All this year's setup, are you planning 2024? Um, not quite yet. I know what I'm, I know February 2024 will probably be Wizard of Oz at the theatre. We do that once a year and, and tends to be the February half term um, Panto. And everyone says, not Wizard of Oz again. But actually, as the children get older, you know, there's new children watching the Wizard of Oz and new children learning the story. And also, um, 
Everyone loves the story of Wizard of Oz. Mm. It just, it's just, it's a great show. And have you heard the news that the Wizard of Oz is coming to the Empire I for have. Christmas? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is really interesting. But that doesn't affect you. That's what I love. In Liverpool now, we have got our theatres and they've all got their own brand of entertainment with their own price range and and I think that is brilliant the way that works. Don't forget years ago mum was doing three pantos in the Merseyside area at Christmas and they weren't in competition with each other. You know, everyone has their own niche, everyone has their own little audience. I'm really friendly with all the other producers that are in the Merseyside area because there's no point in not being, you know, the pantos are going to happen. So let's all work together and um, hopefully the Wizard of Oz won't take off anyone. I, th- I mean, I, I think it will because we haven't had competition from the Empire as a children's show for a couple of years. Um, but again, I hope it does a storm in business. There's a, there's a place for everyone. Now, using the children in your two theatres, is it the same children or can other people that are not in that dance school get in? So um, for the last couple of years, we've used Nazine Danielle School of Dance. Um, for the children in the pantomimes. Pre-COVID, we used to audition and go out to all different schools. Since then, and since the restrictions have been a lot tighter, um, we've just used Nazine's school. And that's not to say that we won't audition again. Just at the moment, the way things are, um, we are using Nazine's. And we use her. She's actually got an academic school. So it's, it's a performing arts school. So when the children are in school doing their lessons she sets their timetable up so they can rehearse as well because, you know, their main focus is dance and drama and performance. So for them to take part in the pantomimes as well is great. And so they they use their school time to rehearse the pantomime. So it works all around. You had Theatre Royal in St Helens. You've done, and your father is responsible for a lot of it, uh, an awful lot of work to the (laughs) theatre, an awful lot of work, because it's an old theatre. You're now in this magnificent building, which it is magnificent, but it's old with a lot of problems. What made you take on another (laughs) theatre? I don't know, to be honest. Um, Good... It was a a while ago, um, Bill Elms, um, who we work with anyway as our PR department... He came and said, there's an opportunity to, uh, to to run the Epstein Theatre. Would you like to do it? And I was like, I have to think about it for a bit because it is a lot of work, you know, and having St. Helens as well. And then I thought to myself, I'll kick myself in years if I don't give this a shot. So I did. I went to Mr. Barry Joseph and said, you know, do you think we can do this? And he was like, Sean, if you want to go for it, go for it. And so we did, so we put this presentation together and we stood up in front of Liverpool City Council and I presented this 20-minute PowerPoint presentation and, you know, I was shaking in my boots. I'd never done anything like that before. And um, anyway, we were were awarded the contract. So, unfortunately, COVID then happened and things slowed down, but now we're here. We've been operational for over a year, well over a year. You've mentioned COVID several times. Yeah. Theatres really, really, really suffered um, and you had even coming out of covid so many people off ill you have played every part in every <laughs> panto you have haven't you you've had to go on yeah um so last christmas you know we did the covid covid year we call it 2020 christmas 2020 and that was when covid was at its worst no one had had their uh, vaccinations or maybe had one um and the rules were so intense it was um, staggered seating one-way systems, hand sanitizers, masks. Not one member of our company got COVID that year. 
and we were doing tests daily the whole company tests daily last christmas when it wasn't maybe it's because the rules were a little bit more relaxed loads of them were off they were dropping like flies and so i had to go on as baby bear in goldilocks and the three bears <laughs> and everyone laughed because i didn't really know the lines but we couldn't have two bears so i went on and i said all i'm gonna say if i've forgotten my lines is i'm hungry <laughs> that's all i kept saying to everyone which meant help me out here i don't know what i'm doing and uh, olivia sloan was playing goldilocks she's one of my best friends and uh, i remember looking her right in the eye on stage and she just nearly corpsed burst out laughing because i just looked at her frozen and said i'm hungry and she just she helped me out and the cast were great but we had you know we couldn't have done that year without the understudies which were the dancers at one point even the wardrobe <clears throat> yeah well everybody the dancers really took helm and they they did it they did it and um understudies got every show through that christmas i think they really did yeah now you remember you you remember you mentioned livy your other best friend is liam campbell she is who um as she know as you know when i freeze like you just froze she, she got me out of it. So I, I just related that completely yeah. and utterly there. We talked about Panto. We've talked about... How long do you think, realistically, Pantos can go on like this? Or do you think they're here forever? Uh, go on like this as in successfully? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're just going to have to ride the wave, and it's a great wave to be on. Um, I just can't see it going out of fashion. I mean, it might drop a little bit. But it's a tradition, and I think people like the tradition of a family gathering at Christmas time. And then saying that, we do pantos all year round, and they're great. But I think the Christmas one is always special. It's always a little bit different, and it's you, you see the groups coming in together. And I just think it's something that people will cherish for as long as they can. And what people have got to realise also is that theatres are incredibly important because you bring people in to St Helens, you bring people into Liverpool along with the other theatres and they're shopping, they're eating, they're drinking, they're also realising they're keeping something alive which is important. Let's talk about what panthers you've got on first of all St Helens. So at St Helens we've got Beauty and the Beast uh, Easter, we've got Jack and the Beanstalk in October and we've got Aladdin at Christmas and at the Epstein we've got um, uh, Sleeping Beauty at Easter and you know what? I haven't picked the uh, October panto for here yet, but Christmas will be Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Fabulous. Now, the theatre itself, both theatres, it's a little bit of a strong point for you too. You can say to a promoter, can't you, I've got two theatres, give me a deal. Oh, absolutely. Talking yeah. about the other shows. Now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm not the theatre manager at the Epstein. We've got lovely Anthony Proctor, who is amazing. He runs this place like a tight ship, just as we like it. And he programmes all the shows here. And I programme all the shows at St. Helens. But we work really closely together. Some shows won't come to the Epstein because it's smaller. And at the same time, some shows won't come to St. Helens because it's too big. But we work together. Um, we I, I, It depends on the routing of the shows as well and where their tours go in. Some shows do one night here and the next night St. Helens. And some don't because it would be a complete clash. So, yeah, we just see what's out there um, and stay in con constant contact with each other about 
shows and promoters. That one, of, one of my favourite stories, well, in fact, two you've got. You've got Jane MacDonald yeah. and Tony Christie <laughs> in St Helens. The Tony Christie uh, I told on radio uh, a while ago, tell us what happened, because he was booked when it, had, it wasn't going, was it? So, Peter Kay booked the theatre. This is well before my time. And uh, mum, I caught, you know, I went to say Jane then because I call her Jane, yeah. and, you know, when in anything to do with business. And uh, the, the, the theatre manager at the St. Helens came to Jane and said, um, We've got this comic, Peter Kay, that wants to come. And Jane said, Never heard of him. Put him in as a hire. Okay, so we did. Gave him a cheap hire rate, maybe, I don't know, back then, 500 quid. Next minute, he exploded, didn't he, on the television. You couldn't get a ticket for love and money. They were like rocking horse poo, as my dad would say. Um, so anyway, he did that. Massive show. We always do well on the bar, and we just took it with a pinch of salt and moved on. Same thing happened. Maybe a couple of years, maybe two years later, he came and said, we've been offered Tony Christie. We Googled him, well, Jane Googled him, and he was doing Windle Labour Club. And we were like, book him in on a hire. Fine. Then the song got released, didn't it? Amarillo. Couldn't get a ticket again. He had um, catering vans turning up outside. You had to have an access all areas pass to get backstage. In your own theatre. In your own theatre. There was security everywhere. Uh, but you know what? It was, it was a great night. Um, but yeah, Peter Kay's done us over twice now. <laughs> But it was unbelievable with Tony Christie because it was the catering vans because he was on tour in the uh, arenas and yeah. this had just been booked. And the catering vans everything were bigger than the theatre. It was crazy. Yeah. Jane MacDonald you had? Jane MacDonald, yeah. I approached her manager and said I'd love to bring her to the theatre and he was like, mm, you know, send us the specs. So I did and we cut a deal and it was the, the best night you were there, Pete. It was just phenomenal. I absolutely... That was one of my top shows that had ever been to the Theatre Royal, definitely. I loved it. I mean, I love Jay MacDonald anyway. I have her on my Spotify playlist, but, um, yeah, it was phenomenal. Is it difficult to get product for two theatres? No, no. There's loads of product out there. You just have to be careful on what you pick. To finish off, why should people go to the St Helens Theatre first? You know, both, both theatres I look at and I think when you go into the theatre, it's escapism. Whatever you've got going on in your life, you can go and have two hours of escapism where you watch something that, you know, you absolutely love. You're not going to go and watch a tribute artist that you don't like. So you're going to watch something that you love. You could go and watch a comedy and you could laugh your sides off. You could go and watch a tribute, sing along, a panto, see the magic of panto. It's escapism for two hours and it's just a beautiful thing to see the audience when they come out and they say, really enjoyed that, thanks so much. You feel really proud, you know, proud to put on product that people love to come and see. One thing I love about the Neptune, you're right, Neptune. God, <laughs> the Epstein, that's the how old I am, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're right next to the um, st station. So it's yeah. a great, a great thing to come. Plus, Bowl Street's around the corner and Bowl Street is there with hundreds of restaurants oh, yeah. so it is a great night out and a great day out isn't it for yeah. the afternoon matinees absolutely you know the Epstein's got a place in everyone's heart it's a beautiful smaller theatre that's so warm and inviting when you come in and lots of people when they come in here for the first time they say they can't believe there's a theatre in the middle of a building on the second floor 
technically for us, it's a nightmare, you know. We've just done Rita Sue and Bob 2 and we produced that show six times and we've always used a real car because we've always done it at St. Helens and we've got the access there. Here, how can you get a real car on the second floor? And I'm on a theatre manager's WhatsApp group and Jordan, the technical manager here, said, uh, can we talk about the elephant in the room? How are we getting the car in? <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, I've been and had a stage car made. So we actually had a stage car produced by Scenic, a Scenic engineer. And it came in four parts and it all bolted together. Mm. And it was beautiful on stage, Price, pricey mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what you've just got to make, make happen. So, yeah. To finish off completely now, uh, I've got to ask, because um, we, we told the story about the coach. I'm sitting in the lovely bar in, an, I was going to say, the Neptune <laughs> again now. It's stuck in my head in the Epstein. What happened with the toilets? Oh, at Christmas? Oh, well, water absolutely did me in at Christmas. My home pipes froze. Then, I mean, this is a side story. Then when they came back on, I'd left the shower on upstairs so I had to stay in my mum's a couple of nights and I called back to just check if the water had come back on. Of course, the shower was coming out full blast so then my kitchen's flooded. And at the same time, because it's an old building, the Epstein, the water tank on the roof, the water had frozen. And so the water wasn't getting through to any of our toilets. And because there's two tanks or something like that, the running water, as in tap water, was all fine. It was just the toilet water. So... Barry Joseph made, moved heaven and earth and got eight portaloos brought into the theatre. And so that's the only way we could stay open. And so they in, were in, in here, the bar, in the bar. Yeah, so we you lost the bar. the bar. We lost the bar. We sold confectionery from other areas and we had a lady cleaner who's in and out today, actually. She was um, employed all hours that we were open to clean every single portaloo once someone had been in there, check that the cleanliness was fine. And so many people appreciated it don't get me wrong there was a few people that didn't quite understand why and when we explained what had happened it was either like you know we're going to cancel the show or this is the other option and they were like oh this is fine because they wanted to come and see the panto and so yeah we we managed to stay open what's that old saying pete the show must go on and if you enjoy that we've got some great podcasts why not just subscribe it's free